And then where it really got attached to me was my grandmother. I remember when I was first started, tra- when I was going to go travel, I went to my grandma and saying bye to everybody. I went to my grandma and she went, she kind of gave me like a goodbye speech. Mm. And it threw me off. Like, Why are you talking like that? You know, like she almost gave me like her last words as if she knew I was going to go travel for like a couple of years and she's alive. She's still alive. But she was like almost, I never seen someone embrace death like that. Like willingly, like, Hey, I love you. I, uh, you know, if I, if I don't see you ever again, do these things, do this, do that, do this. And I was very, very, very shook. Like, I'm like, I wasn't accepting it at all. It's like, what are you talking? No, like, no. And she was just being a realist. Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Mask Unity Podcast. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm your co-host, Anwar Ahmed, a.k.a. A Squared. Killing it on the high pitch. And today we're going to talk about an interesting topic that I don't think is given enough space. And that is the idea of death, the concept of memento mori, and some of the top five regrets of the people that were dying. So before we get into that, that, that big topic, you know what time it is. Mood check. Hey, yo, Coach Kyle. <laughs> You holding that note out? How you doing today, man? How you yeah, because you got me in my feels about you saying a square. So I feel like I'm missing out. I'm missing out. I'm well, my friend. I love this topic. You know, I don't even my my mood is a one that has been developed over time through the concept of death. In a way, like the concept of death almost improves the daily mood. Based on the conversation we're going to have today, I don't want to give too, too much context to that. I want to explain it later. So in that front, I feel like I am moving in the direction of being able just to find more life in the day mm-hmm. in contrast to the idea of death. So that's how I feel. That's how I feel. How do you feel? How about your mood? I feel sad. I feel sad. It's, um, it's the last time we're recording like this face to face. Mm. Um, obviously the modern masculinity podcast is taking a shift Kyle's moving back to Calgary for the time being and so that means that we're not going to be able to have a face-to-face conversation anymore so I'm a bit sad mm. also not going to be able to have Chris in the room anymore and just the environment man just you know I understand that like life's going to change we're going to adapt and COVID is like that and there's so many different ways to make sure that this platform continues on but there's something about when you're in a room where things started mm. and that ends it's just like, wow, man, we've come such a far away. We've come such a long way. This is episode 23. Um, I remember being in this room when it was not even an idea. There wasn't even a name to this thing yet. It was just 
let's have conversations and let's figure it out Just chatting and now it's come to all of this and so i'm sad to see this part of the the, the podcast die this room but um i'm excited to have like one last dance uh, and have a, and have a powerful one you know have we'll have one last hurrah in the room Just smacks me with some feels i think chris was rubbing out tears a little <laughs> bit there yeah he's an emotional guy yeah oh he's gonna speak on it oh he doesn't want it no don't don't get him in his feels got it got it got it got it uh well said well said i couldn't agree more i could not agree more well what are you, what are you gonna miss the most about this room mm, okay memory lane let's do this honestly i think that these last few weeks have been some of like the biggest ones for us with the inclusion of chris and the conversations that we've been having and the development that we've had I think it is not ideal that we're doing this from a distance now, but I feel like the, how, so you got me in my feels, I can't even put my words together. I feel like the progression has reached such a point where we're super confident that we can do this from afar, which means we're killing it in person. And where we've just done so well with how we are at this, this pinnacle point. And I'm just going to appreciate, I think the, the small room that we're in has, such a, a vibe to it in the sense of like our energies are just all in here together. There's no space for it to just go somewhere else. It's all very contained and it feels powerful. It definitely feels powerful. And obviously being with this mic and with you guys is, I'm going to miss it all. I don't even think there's one thing I can pull out that's over all over anything else. It's all of it. It's this entire space. Yeah, you said it. You said it well there, right? It's like when you're in this room, you you block out the rest of the world. You know what I mean. You're not really focusing on anything else, but you know, being able to add perspective and you know, continue to feed the the beast that is the mission. You know, um, the purpose of why we're doing this. And um, when you're in this room, it's like it's like it's like feels like being on the court again, or it feels like being on the field. It feels like being in the arena. You know, mm. and there's something about the room that makes you feel like, okay, lights, camera, action, literally lights, camera and action. Um, it's a, uh, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. And it's uh, at least we had this, right. I know there's so many podcasts that started, um, virtually right on zoom or whatever, good something point. to be said about like being able to remember what this feels like and bring in this energy into wherever we take it. Cause I think that this energy that's in this room is, is the driving force behind the mission and our purpose and our passion. And, uh, you know, I received a text message from you, you know, last week, just, you know, uh, with the way the things were going in the world and, you know, you getting that news, um, from your friend and just knowing that we have a bigger purpose with what we're doing and it can't stop. It can't stop, you know, and we don't do this for attention. We don't do this to, um, you know, fulfill our egos. We do this because we understand that there is a absence in a conversation. There is a silence and that silence is crippling. Um, and we want to just continue to, you know, put voice to as many things as we can, mm -hmm. um, and do our part. Mm -hmm. so. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not going anywhere. So y'all know, just to make that clear, extra clear. We're moving, we're grooving. Things are still gonna take some incredible, incredible journeys. And uh, this is still only just the beginning. So to get into the podcast episode today, as we mentioned before, we're gonna talk about the concept of death, the influence that death plays in our lives, the idea of momentum more and get into some 
regret a little bit. Just have a conversation. I think these are, these are not conversations that are common. And a lot of people fear talking about death. And I have been one of them for a massive majority of my life. Death was a scary topic for me. And I just never really knew what my take was on it and what it meant to me and if it meant anything at all. It kind of just felt like it was something that happened when you're older. So you just wait for it. You don't process it before that until there's a point where you're on your deathbed maybe or you're just getting to a certain age where you almost feel like you should start to fear it. And I really had to start to analyze that. And I think it was actually um, Edward, our mutual friend, that brought it really into my space when he got into stoicism and he discovered Memento Mori. And that was when I was like, oh, this is an interesting conversation. I've never heard this statement before. And now I feel like I want to talk about it because of this one statement. So to get into the, the to the question, I guess, or this this topic, what is your perspective on death? And has it evolved since childhood up until now? Was there a point where you felt like it wasn't a conversation? It was, were you ever fearful of it? How did that whole process progress for you? Oh, yeah, I think that death was taboo for me for like a long time you know i i avoided it at all costs it was just something that like you saw characters die in movies and stuff like that you just thought it was like on it was on tv mm. like it wasn't a real thing it's not like it's a life thing it's that's just like depiction of death on tv mm. um i think my first ever like you know real memory of like death and feeling something in my heart and feeling something in my chest was um watching mufasa die in lion king mm. that was the first time that I was choked that someone like a character that I liked was dead and like how is this show gonna go on you know like that was the first real character that died in my life like I was like what what do you mean he dies because he was awesome like he mm -hmm. was amazing he was noble good like I felt like he was the best dad he was like a perfect dad and then he dies midway in the show and you're like what the hell's going on here I'm like a little kid I'm like but the movie ends all happy. So you forget. Right. You forget that there was a big death because Simba triumphs and he's, and then, you know, that, that movie just continues to keep serving me in so many different ways. It's, um, and so you forget about, it. you don't, you don't live in the emotion of the death because they do a good job of like making you feel something and then moving you past it. Mm. So other than that, I just moved along life, just acting like as if death wasn't a thing, you know? Um, and I, I, I got my punch. I got my gut punch of like, oh, I don't like that. And then every any character that died after that never really hit as hard because I was like, oh, people die in shows. Mm. Um, it's, I'm numb to it now. I've seen my first real character death before I thought it was a thing. And now that Mufasa died, I, I'm more prepared to see characters die in shows. Like I'm more aware for that now. Right. I'm ready for it now. Um, and then I remember like, you know, before I started traveling, not that like we act as if, you know, um, let me, let me also backtrack a bit. Death that's happening in the world. Like if you're, if someone that you knew had someone close to them pass away, you just don't feel it, but you know that something happened, something shifted in somebody else's life. You know, if somebody doesn't show up to school and you find out that they were at a funeral, like, you know, somebody died, mm -hmm. but you're not attached to it. Like you're not. I felt like I wasn't attached to it. Um, the first time I felt attached to a real death was um, a friend of mine's brother passed away. Mm -hmm. And 
my only interaction with this person, this individual was like, every time I'd go to knock on my friend's door, he would open the door. He was way older than us. Like he was like, I was like maybe like 16 and this guy was like 25, so like way older than us, right? So he's just like my little brother and his friend. So he'd open the door and just like ask me how I was doing. And like, you know, like that's all, that's all our interaction ever was. It wasn't anything more than that. Or if, you know, my friend wasn't home, he'd be like, yo, you can stay inside for a bit. Like when he gets here, like he'll be here in 10 minutes kind of thing. And he would, we just small talk. And I remember going to hang out with my friend and he was like, my, my brother died. And all I knew was that in that moment, I realized that someone that you can talk to can be like erase, can mm. not, not exist anymore. Like they're not, a, they're not there anymore, but you were talking to them at one point in your life, but I didn't have a relationship with this person. So all, to me, it was just the learning of now the absence of someone that was there. And then now they're not there. Now we're on the second layer of like understanding death a bit. I'm like, oh. Whoa, that is crazy. So your brother just is not here anymore. Like there's no more like finito. Mm. You don't see him. And then, so I had to embrace that and understand that still far removed though. I have no attachment to this person. I'm not right. There's no feels there. So was death never a conversation when you were growing up? No, never really something that you had a conversation about. You just know that it exists. And you know, in the religious context, you always talk about the after death. You talk about, you know, being, spiritual now because you know when you die there's going to be questions and there needs to be answers and Mm, you know being able to think of it from a you know what path what path are you carving out for your life right now so that it serves you in that life kind of thing Mm. so that you knew but again you're not attached to that it's a story Mm -hmm. um and then where it really got attached to me was my grandmother i remember when i was first started when i was going to go travel i went to my grandma and saying bye to everybody i went to my grandma and she went she kind of gave me like a goodbye speech mm. and it threw me off. Like, why are you talking like that? You know, like she almost gave me like her last words as if she knew I was going to go travel for like a couple of years and she's alive. She's still alive. But she was like almost, I've never seen someone embrace death like that. Like willingly, like, Hey, I love you. I, uh, you know, if I, if I don't see you ever again, do these things, do this, do that, do this. And I was very, very, very shook. Like, I'm like, I wasn't accepting it at all. It's like, what are you talking? No, like, no. And she was just being a realist. Like she, she's at the point now where she's like, she's done so much religious good that she wants to go see her maker. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever been around a really religious person where they're like, they get to the, like they get old enough where they're like, I'm ready to go see my maker. Like I've paid my debts. Like mm. I'm ready to reap my check. You know I what I mean? Like I've seen it in movies. Um, more often than not. And she's so religious. Like she is so, mm. and for her, it's like, we're just prolonging her ability to like take her, like her rewards, you know, being on earth more and more is just dealing with temptation and all of these things. And I'm older. I can't even play in these arenas anymore. I just want to go be on the other side of the line. Mm. Uh, I've devoted so much of my life and my really like, you know, to the afterlife. And so not that that conversation made, it just made, it made death more real. Not that I accepted or anything. It was just like, that is weird to speak to me. Cause usually you get woken up with death when someone close to you passes away. Mm-hmm. That's a sobering experience. And that had never really happened to me. No one close to me. That's I, I felt really connected to has passed away. Um, people of people and things like that, where you get close enough, but not touch the fire, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and then, yeah, that was kind of my introduction, man. Like that was kind of like, you know, um, and then since then, obviously this year, I've never felt closer to death in my life. Mm. This year, it's all really hit me like in my face. Um, and I'm saying 2020 and 2021, like a little combination of action. Okay. Um, 
it's really starting to hit me. And it kind of tested what you were saying about the, is death for older people? Mm. I'm actually like, is death for older people? Because it's only starting to make sense for me now. Mm. And I think it's because people, A, talk to you about it more. And it, it happens, I feel like, more frequently at this age than it does at like a younger age. Like you're just protected from it. Maybe people don't tell you, they hide it from you. But now that we live these like open book lives, it's so much. It's everywhere. Um, and so that's kind of my journey into like, you know, understanding and processing death mm-hmm. um, from a young age. Gotcha. And so right now it's being influenced by the quarantine and the pandemic and this kind of whole experience is that really what kind of woke it up you meant by 2020 um, I mean, well, let's get into your experience first and i'll dive into like why this year has been a big death year for me mm. but like what was your kind of upbringing for you know how you process death and things like that uh same style growing up when i was younger i don't remember or i can't recollect an actual conversation that happened i can't pinpoint a moment where someone just started to speak to me about the idea of And then there was a family member that passed away when I was young. And I remember very clearly being at the funeral. And I don't know if it is the Pisces in me or the being raised by pretty much just all women. But I've always had a really, really hard time processing my emotions surrounding someone passing away. It's always been... A feeling like I died with them. And so when that happened, that person, I wasn't close with them by any means. They were just an extended family member. And when we were there, it was maybe the collective energy or just the idea that someone was no longer with us. And they were just at the front of the room in this box that just shook me. And so I was crying my eyes out. And I was young. I was probably... I honestly, I want to say like in between eight and 12, I honestly can't remember. And that was probably my first introduction to the idea was, okay, death is a thing, Uh, but still it didn't register. You know, again, no conversations, nothing progressed beyond that. There wasn't really even a conversation about that experience. It was just, here we were having a tough time. And then you just didn't talk about it after. And then life moves on. And then I think I've shared on here, the podcast on a, another episode about my friend being taken from us, um, uh, Ashton, when he was murdered. So that caught me off guard. And that was, I think, where it was real for me because I knew him Mm -hmm. wholeheartedly. He was in my life. We were playing basketball. And then a day later, we weren't playing basketball. And that was, again, one of those moments where I just, I really struggle with handling death. I'm I'm an absolute wreck. And that was the second one. I feel like we're, I don't want to like, I don't want this to be a super uh, sound depressing in a way in a podcast, but I've had a decent amount of people leave my life. And then from there, I think I was 18 to 20 and a friend of mine in high school was murdered. Her partner took her life. So that was just one of the craziest things. Is that high school? That was just out of high school. That was probably a year or two after high school. And then, um, so that was super eye-opening for me because that was a big domestic abuse dispute and there's a lot that went into that one. Uh, And then my friend took his own life. I've I've spoken about that and that was Nabil. Um, Her name was Lacey, by the way. And then this week, a friend, another friend, so it's just, it's been in my space a lot. And so for me, I've had to face it. 
I didn't have an opportunity not to. So what I didn't do though, was I didn't process how I felt about it. I had to face it because here's this situation and this situation it was consistent. So I had to face it. I had to figure out what it meant to me. And when the, the Lacey experience and then the Bill experience happened, like those were like really close people to me. And so those ones really hit. Those ones were, I, I didn't even attempt to stop the tears because I couldn't. I absolutely couldn't. It's like once there's a crack in the dam, it's over. It's absolutely over. The whole water's coming through. You might as well just wait till the water dissipates and then figure out what to do after that. That's how I felt. And going through those experiences, as far as the idea of death goes, it was, I guess it was just the reaffirmation for me that I've always known how intense it is and how much pain it causes. And then that leads into kind of like my idea of when I was going to take my own and what always stopped me was knowing those experiences and knowing that it would leave that kind of impact. And I never wanted to do that, which is why it was never serious for me. So my relationship now is quite different. I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast where I embrace the idea a lot more. And on a bit of a lighter note, my friend always says, she says, well, you're going to die one day. She's very uh, comedic with it. Every time she just jokes about, oh, you're going to die anyway. Because she's very comfortable with the idea of death. And she understands like it could happen. So you might as well just do what you want to do today and be happy and smile and laugh and do all of these things. So that's kind of my uh, challenging journey with the concept of death. Yeah, something that came up for me while you were talking there was like when I first um, started to actually understand the feeling that someone was going through with death. Um, and at a young, like, you know, when you're younger, it's hard to go into someone else's shoes. You can only feel your own, you know, it's hard to understand it takes maturity to start understanding other, but I think the world is going through that right now is that empathy. Like, can Mm -hmm. you understand somebody else's point of view without having to physically go through the experience? Um, and for me, I remember my first ever real breakup was the first time I was like, oh, this is like what death feels like, but the person's alive. Mm. Like, well said. Like the, we hang out all the time. We're all together. We're so ingrained. Our lives are together. And then poof, mm. we don't talk no more. It's over. You have to recalibrate to the new, the new norm, which is like go back to being by yourself or whatever the case may be. And I remember in that, in that sadness and in that heartbreak, I remember having a flash of like, this just feels like she died, but she's alive. And it being the first time I like was like, oh shit, this is, if it, at least she's alive. Mm-hmm. Like if you remove that element from this equation, it hurts even, it hurts way more, you know? And that was my first little like, foot in the door of like understanding the feeling that might someone might be feeling if someone were to pass away in their life mm-hmm. um and from that stemmed you know different mindsets of how i started to think about death right well, um, what i like what you said about that too is it's what i've learned for myself to be true is that in those moments it's not even for me it's not a death of that person even though they're not around it's a death of who i thought i was and it's a death of my current life 
Because now I have to, like you said, start a brand new one. Everything is different now. Your routines are different. Your your texts are different. Your phone calls, your feelings, everything has completely changed. So whoever you were has essentially died because now you have to be somebody completely different. So a lot of times when I feel in those moments like something has left the space, um, I, I believe wholeheartedly that throughout our days we go through many moments of death. There's little tiny moments all day long. And even in context with these conversations, when you say something that I'm like, oh, this is interesting, and I start to think differently, the person who didn't ever think that differently has technically passed away, is gone. That's the death of that, that self. Now there's a new self already incarnated. So when we had our other conversation and I grew and I shared the pronouns and I was doing this and that, a little, little tiny versions of me were dying, which is speaking to why in this moment right now, um, I'm pretty tired, pretty tired uh, because there's an energetic exchange happening every time we die and then are reborn again, but we just do it so often we don't take it into account. So anyways, that's my perspective on it, but just kind of came up with you when you said that. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts they're sharing blog posts it is a really powerful space so we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and google store it is tether t-e-t-h-r available on both app stores join the community i promise you will not regret it so yeah what i wanted to ask you kyle is you know someone who was you know, greeted with death at a young age in a very abrasive way, by the way. Um, you know, you've, you've shared a story of murder and um, two stories of murder, suicide. Um, these weren't natural causes. This wasn't like, you know, it wasn't a sickness or something that maybe you could stomach a little bit better. Like those are abrasive versions of death. How is it, you know, served you or grounded you or how do you perceive death? Like how does it influence your mentality on how you kind of live your life? Um, moving forward um, if it's impacted you and influenced you in any way yeah it, it is interesting to put it in context that it, none of it really was a natural process you know and I think it's a, a very almost ironic in a way that I have a great-grandmother who is still living and thriving and it, this year in December she'll turn 101 so the irony of it is that the people that I knew were so young and we're taken unnaturally, but then the people who are in my life that are living naturally are still thriving and still doing their thing. So it's very interesting. So I think that adds another element to the context of death for me is that life is just a lot more, I think, fragile than I gave credit for based on the, I mean, we're all capable of taking a life. And I think that's something that's really come into my space recently is that 
especially in the, the space of being a man, the, I think it's Jordan Peterson who always speaks on this. He says, we're savages. We are absolutely savages. And what he prompts us to do is to embrace the savage, understand that we're savages and learn how to control it. But know that that's where you could go. That's his kind of his motif. So in right now, in this moment, I could, t- I mean, in a, but in a sadistic way, I could take both your life. I have the ability to do that. I'm not incapable of doing that, but I just don't think about it. Why would I? It's an interesting thing to think about. So I think that there's an element of death that I have began to try to understand is that um, it doesn't always get to that point or never really should ever get to that point, but it's um, knowing that we kind of have this this element of power within ourselves that is kind of hidden, that can be put in place in different areas of our life. And then as far as my current relationship with death goes, like I said, I think that what I've acknowledged is every single day I go through every single day, I go through multiple deaths throughout the day in smaller capacities. And once I got to that understanding, it kind of made me realize that um, death isn't as scary as I thought it was. Like I don't fear death anymore because I feel like an old version of me is constantly dying. And I also understand that I, for me, I subscribe to the idea that when I pass, my vessel, this vessel, is going to be given back to the earth. Um, I won't be put in a box. Not my plan. Um, I will likely be planted as a tree of some sort. But this vessel is going to be given back to the earth that I, that gave this vessel to me. And then my soul will venture off into wherever it ends up going, whatever that plan is that it currently has. So that's kind of what I subscribe to. So for me, the fear of it isn't really prevalent. I don't want to. I don't want you to to pass. I don't want you to pass, Chris. But it doesn't scare me as much as you would think having the experiences that I've had. Because I think because I was faced with it so many times, I was almost forced to become comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. I was forced to understand that it's such such a reality that you can't really run from it based on how many of the times that it's come across my space. Yeah, it kind of it kind of sounds like it's interesting hearing you talk because it sounds like, you know, you're you're using the reality of the 3D world and leveraging the 5D world in terms of how you process it. Mm. You know, you're very you're talking in a very spiritual manner in terms of, you know, where my soul goes and, you know, a part of me dies every single day, therefore it helps me process a real death, you know, because a part of me dies every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a very spiritual kind of thinking about death you know it's not really the the kyle that's feeling something in the in the the reality world and dealing with the actual death head on face on um is leveraging something outside of himself outside of the 3d world to make sense of it all Mm -hmm. and trying to use that as a way of being it sounds like at peace with death Mm -hmm. um and so that's very interesting. I do want to ask you a question more directly, specifically related to the the actual reality of world. Like how, when you were going through those deaths, what were you processing? And how did you think that like, you know when people get action out of something that happens? Mm-hmm. Not, in a, not in a spiritual way, real action. Like this happened and therefore I'm going to do this in this world. Um, an example of that could be if, you know, somebody passed away and they were your motivator for this event that you were going to do and you now leverage, you know, their passing as inspiration to actually pursue that for real. Um, or, um, 
taking, for example, uh, someone passing away and then you embody the idea now that life is too short. So it creates a sense of urgency in you to, to go after things. Like that's what I mean by, you know, how have you taken the pain and bottled it up and put it into actionable actions in your current mindset, something mm. that you do every single day. Um, is there something that comes to mind in those, in those spaces or is it for you that, you know, I understand death and how it is through, um, how I feel about it spiritually, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hear what you're saying. I think that what I'm gathering from your question, the answer that's coming to my mind is Just because you've been through so much of that pain too. Right. Like, I, I don't know what that feels like to have a friend of mine murdered. Mm. And I don't know what thoughts go through your mind or how you process that or channel that into positivity. Mm. I'm wondering if you could share if anything positive comes from that mm -hmm. level of thinking. Well, if I reflect on the, the, the majority of the experiences that I've come across, the common theme outside of the first, the first death, so all of the ones preceding, the common theme is men's mental health, all of them. And acknowledging that, I think in this moment, probably for the very first time, that all of them have to do with men's mental health because the person who took the, the woman's life was dealing with his own inner pain, had, didn't know what to do with it, men's mental health. The second one was a murder from another man that was drug-related. That's men supporting men, men's mental health two suicides that's men's mental health all of it's men's mental health and so for me i just can it's interesting i continue to find motivators for this podcast which is insane to me which i love but i think that i guess that's probably why i'm so passionate about what we're doing here now and what we continue to do with the podcast and with the men's facebook group that i have and the youth group that i run and Everything that I'm doing is trying to support men so they don't feel like any of those options are things they should do to take someone's life or to take their own life, but just to live and find peace every single day. And I think that I get, this is a story that I'm telling myself, I'm sure projecting, but I feel like I'm looked at in like a way of, I'm not an actual man because I do subscribe more to the love and the compassion and the grace that a lot of men are not subscribing to. They're subscribing to the toughness and the strength and what I have been trying to do through this process is support the harmony between all of that in living. And uh, uh, another representation of this all is when I worked off of all of those experiences, what I've acknowledged is that I don't believe that there's any point in my day where I, I was put here to suffer. So whatever is happening in my day, if I begin to start to feel like I'm suffering, it's calm. It's kind of makes me feel like, well, these people are no longer here and were taken from me. And I get the privilege of now still sitting here and I get the privilege of waking up and putting my feet on the ground. So if I have that privilege and the opportunity and I've been gifted with that, what am I doing with that gift? How am I embodying the, the opportunity this gift is giving me? And I don't think there's necessarily a sense of urgency necessarily to accomplish anything outside of myself, I think it's more of about, for me, it's living in peace as often as possible for as long as possible. So when I, from the time I wake up until the time I go to sleep, did I find as many moments of peace as possible, whether it's sitting on the couch and being with myself or going by the water or having a phone call with a friend or doing anything, doing a coaching call, whatever it is, doing this podcast, did I find peace as often as I could? And 
that's what I strive to do every day because I don't believe that we were put here to suffer. So if we weren't put here to suffer, then I feel like we were put here to live for a lot more joy and fulfillment. And the outside societal pressure is really the things that are causing us to suffer the majority of the time. So um, separating myself from those and just kind of being where I am. Yeah, thanks for sharing. I think that there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot to be taken away from an experience like yours, you know, being able to, you know, maybe you haven't gone back and revisited either, you know, some of those feelings and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's because you never, I feel like when death happens, you're trying to run from that feeling as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not trying to sit in it. You're not trying to understand it or process it or even remember what you were thinking. And I think that there's a lot that, um, what you said there, there's a lot that can be taken from it, you know, and there's somebody out there that's listening who is maybe processing a death right now and they're trying to speed through it. And, um, their brain is telling them a bunch of different things right now and they don't know how to process it. Um, and so I do appreciate you sharing and, uh, mm-hmm. kind of elaborating more deeply on, you know, your kind of internal purpose and why. And even you said that beautiful rip about, you know, that you subscribe to compassion and love and, um, and that it's not the common thing that men don't subscribe to a part that's missing from that conversation is that it's not that we don't subscribe to that. It's not that men don't want to subscribe to that. That's not what we're being rewarded for. Right. Right. There's not an active choice of moving away from compassion and love. It's, it's trying to fulfill the stereotype. Mm-hmm. It's more so trying to fulfill and less trying to avoid, you know, good point. Um, yeah. Cause if I think about the context of myself, it's not that, um, I mean, I guess it is that I do feel like a bit of an outcast. But I think it's because the strength and the the dominance and all of these, you know, hurrah men qualities are being rewarded. And the men who are trying to pursue um, a different route are not being rewarded because it's not looked at as like a man anymore. So I totally understand. And I'm glad that you brought that up. It's a very good point. Yeah. And for, and for me, I think the, um, there's a there's a big story uh, about in terms of death and impact and how it's influenced the way that I think and um, it was the first time I actually attended a funeral where I knew the person closely. Um, I used to work at a restaurant and at this restaurant all the all these coaches would come in. I used to I lived in Winnipeg, live in Toronto now. Um, when I lived in Winnipeg, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is a CFL football team and they would come in and they would, um, these coaches would take up the same corner, um, every day. And as I was kind of, you know, cutting my teeth into the restaurant industry and ascending to hopefully be a server and all those kind of things, um, we called him coach. He, he'd come in, he was this, you know, six, five, six, six black guy, teddy bear looked, looked intense. But the second he opened his mouth, it would, the tension was gone. You knew he was just this soft teddy bear, you know. And from day one, he always just kept calling me son. He always called me son. Hey, son, how you doing? How like you just like it was just a relationship that we had. What's up, coach? What's up, son? Hmm. Like that was just how we talked, you know. And he would Love always that. ask me how I was. He would always ask me how I'm doing. He I, he asked questions to get into my mind. He asked questions to. Not how I was doing, but how am I thinking about things? Because you could tell I was like a kid who was processing life at a fast clip. And he was way wiser than me, right? He would come in and he would say, I love how you're... He would always comment on how I was thinking about stuff. I love how you think about that. That's great. And to me, it was always like a a sign of um, keep going on that path. That thought process is good. Keep running with that one. Oh, I don't like that one. Cut that one a little bit short. You should maybe think about it this way. 
very influential in the way he spoke. Never told you what to do, but always was kind of just guiding or, you know, if you want to think about like a, you know, a boat floating in the water, just like the wind, you know, just though he was just the wind, never forcing you left or right, not taking, not driving the steering wheel, but just wind, you know? And, um, I remember the news of hearing that he passed away and just being super confused. Like, because at that point, I had just kind of started living on my own, right? I was 18 mm-hmm. years old. I just started living on my own, and I was dying for guidance. Right. I was desperate for guidance. And he was kind of the soundboard for me of, like, all those small decisions I made. Like, I would tell him about the, you know, the first month that I actually saved $100. And I was like, hey, like, I paid rent. And, like, you know, things are starting to move. Like, I'm doing the two jobs, and these are my plans. Like, I would just kind of give him the plan and the outline. He's like, I like that plan. That's a good plan. You know, and it was kind of just like the north. It was just it was just my guiding light at the time. And when I found out that he passed away, it was like it was this double feeling of. Man, I love that guy. And. He was he was playing a role for me. Mm. I, I, I liked what I needed him. I kind of need I liked what he talked about and, and I loved him, you know, and um I remember going to his funeral and it was one story after another, exactly how I felt. Mm. He did that for everyone. <laughs> I thought I, I thought I was just getting a one-off circumstance, but he listened to everyone. He was wind for everybody mm. who we came in contact with. Everyone had a similar expression. Coach was like this. He always did this. He called. He started calling me this from day one. I'm like, he called me son from day one. <laughs> he was just a connector. He was such a good. And I remember looking around at the room and just half our restaurant was in there because we all loved him. The whole like football, the whole football organization, the CFL members were there. Like it was a packed house from all walks of life. So many different speakers. And I remember in that moment, leaving that funeral and in that moment seeing that and feeling that and leaving the funeral and just finally understanding what do I want my impact to be? Cause I just felt what impact feels like. Mm. And that's when I started adopting the mentality of since that day, I haven't stopped thinking about my funeral. I haven't stopped thinking about, I use my funeral as like fuel to be a good person. How many people will show up and say, Anwar was wind for me. Mm. Anwar helped me push this way. He helped me push that way. He listened to me. He cared. He had foresight for impact. He thought about impact and not just how can I get what I want? Mm -hmm. And that funeral grounded me in an ideology that would change my life forever. And since then I have not been able to think about life without impact everything that I do, everything that I want to do is there's a bigger impact. And that bigger impact is sometimes why my mental health fades because I'm trying to have an impact and the impact sometimes involves reaching certain things, um, in order to do so. And that pressure is crippling sometimes Mm. when you're trying to have an impact It's different when you're living life to just live and when you're living life to live an impact and i've had to learn that you can have impact in small spaces 
and everything that you do is impact. That small conversation in the waiting room with that person is impact. You know, and it's 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 energy that you carry. Mm-hmm. It's not a result. It's an energy. And mm-hmm. as long as you're trying to find a way to influence or impact someone in a positive way, and you carry that aura, then you are living in that truth. It's not about the result. Mm-hmm. You know, if I don't accomplish the things that I have set out on this to do list, or for my life list, it's fine because I carried the energy of wanting to have impact, and kind of fast forwarding why death got so real for me this year was um, it took that story that I told myself and it put it on a global stage because my biggest idol passed away and I saw his impact and I watched the world cry so it was like being in between these two worlds of I adopted this ideology from this individual that I could touch was in my face. I had a relationship with him. I went to his funeral and then I saw how magnified that could be that DNA. If you take it to the heights and the level of Kobe Bryant, because he cared about impact and it was just a reaffirmation of your how you're feeling is is validated it's there is merit to how you think and so instead of getting rid of how you feel about that let's get used to how to protect yourself from the stress that could come thinking like that of that like thinking things like that because your their your ideology is noble wanting impact is incredibly powerful so let's learn how to deal with wanting impact and that goes from as simple as things that you say, if there's no you, there's no, there's no anything, right? So if I want impact, I got to first make sure that I take care of myself and then lean on trying to make a difference anywhere in any other place. And the list just goes on. It, like Kobe Bryant, for, like it was Nipsey Hussle first, then Kobe Bryant passed away, right? Not DMX recently, Black Panther, characters and people that are like, we, we were like, idolizing, watching, monitoring. Mm-hmm. I had a close friend of mine get into a, a motorcycle accident close to death. Had to deal with the idea of knowing that, whoa, he almost, he almost wasn't here. And that feeling in itself, that, that little rattling of like, holy, whoa, whoa. Like I, there was a time where I was on the phone and there wasn't a guarantee. I was waiting for confirmation that we're good here. COVID, every day you're seeing numbers, death total today, this, death total today, that. Mental illnesses. We just had a podcast on, you know, our friend Phil and, you know, your friend and Chris's friend. I had a a friend recently tell me that they just got diagnosed with cancer. So many different lanes of of death all in my space, all in like one year, I've been hit from like all different types. My idol, my close friend, a pandemic, mental health, cancer. Like it's all just entering my space for the first time. And like, I'm able to attach to it because there's people that I give a shit about in these spaces. Like Mm -hmm. it's not just like a telltale story from some distance. Like it's almost like 
you can't really understand the pain of cancer until someone you know has cancer. Now you, you understand everybody's pain with cancer overnight. You're like, whoa, get me the fuck cancer t-shirt immediately. Mm. Cause now I understand. And it, death has kind of been like that. It's always been like so far away from me that until it like came into my space and it came in, it came in bunches. It's that this is, this is the year that I've actually processed it. And it just, it made me, it didn't change how I think about death, but cause I've always kind of, you know, how I think about it then is still to me, it's still about how do I leave a mark on this world and how do I leave a mark on the people that I come across? And, and so my mentality about how I want to go about my life hasn't changed towards death, but it's made it more real. Mm. It's here now. It's not just some like idea that, you know, it's one thing to think about your funeral and there's another as like a, like a hypothetical. It's another thing to actually believe like, Oh yeah, there is going to be a day where there is a funeral and actually understand the magnitude of that sentence and know that like, Oh, there will be that day. Mm -hmm. And that day will come. And that impact that you're talking about is not just a, it's not just a theoretical thing in your mind. It will happen. And so how are you intentionally moving through the day with that in mind? And it's great grounding to me. It's not, it's not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not, it doesn't hinder me. It grounds me. Death makes me a better person. Mm. It doesn't make, it doesn't make me scared of life. It makes me go after it today and, and, and be the person that I want. And that's a person of impact. So it very, very much grounds me, but that's kind of how it's influenced me. And it's how it's kind of changed the way that I kind of perceive, um, death. And I, you kind of brought it up, my roommate and you, you know, your really close friend, he, um, he was talking about Memento Mori to me and I've, I've had this, I've had this DNA since I've ever, I went to that funeral, right? This, um, but I never carried, I never wore anything on me that represented it. And when he kind of, it was a painting that he wanted, he said, I'm going to get this painting. And I was like, what is this painting? It was like a tulip, a, 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 looked like an hourglass and a skull. I'm like, what does this even mean? He's like, Memento Mori. And I was like, well, well, explain it to me. And he goes, okay, well, the tulip represents life and the skull represents death. And the hourglass represents time. And I was like, that's pretty profound. He's like, those are the, all the kind of stages of life. I was like, wow, I'd like that on a necklace. I'd like to wear that. And so he got it for me for my birthday. And I remember getting it and being like, yeah, I want to be grounded in this all the time. I want to think about this. I want to be conscious of it. And I didn't know this, but on the back, it says, you could leave life right now that's it so it's momentum mori on the front representing time death and life and birth the tulip represents birth and on the back it just says you could leave life right now and when i hear words like that i don't know about you but the the sense of urgency that runs through my body is rapid because I could leave right now. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I'm grounded in death and how it inspires and motivates me every single day. So to wrap up this episode, we want to leave with a 
with an outro, with a bit of a takeaway, with what we are kind of leaning f- and moving forward with in regards to the context of death and how we are going to do our best to live fully moving forward with this idea of either memento more or any of the concepts we've already spoken about. And for me, I think that my biggest takeaway was probably the back of your chain and just that statement. Do you mind if you read it again? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's a takeaway, but I, I don't know word for word yet. You could leave life right now. That would be my biggest takeaway because I think that just that context really supports the idea that you can, there's things that you can do today to live fully. There are things weighing on you that you can get off. There are suitcases you are walking around with that you can put down. There is so much more that you could do today to live more fully and and know with living in that moment that it could be taken away now. So everything you're battling with and you're facing and you're struggling with and is, it's causing you suffering. There's just, there's an opportunity to hear that statement and say, but if I go now, wouldn't I want to go on a high? And then it just kind of leaves you with the opportunity to go do something different or to live differently today and in this moment. That's my biggest takeaway from this conversation. It's funny because my biggest takeaway is something I'm going to make you repeat oh, cool. um, in terms of kind of the, the, the ideology of that. We wouldn't know what life means. Death gives us the meaning of life. Mm. You said something about does death births life or something and life doesn't birth death. Yeah, there's, the, there's an argument that says life births death. But in context, if you really think about it, it wasn't until the, the understanding of death that created the understanding that life has value. Yeah. And I think that that's super profound. You know, if you're, it's that the idea that that first character in life was kind of just living life. Nilly Willy had no idea that there was a death, a concept of a death right. and the concept of death actually makes you start to change how you move. And why I like that so much is that, you know, being aware of death in a more contextual, um, standpoint, it makes you change who you are. It makes you move differently, you know, and the closer I get to death doesn't scare me because the closer I get to death, it makes me get more in line with what I want because I'm not playing with time Mm. and who you want to be and who I want to be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was kind of my biggest takeaway. Powerful. What's up everybody. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern masculinity podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember that it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.